What is going on, everyone? Welcome to episode 41 of the Big Fly Pod with your co-hosts, Vinny, CM, K-May, and T-Lou. The whole crew is here. I'm stoked. The Rangers are your World Series champs for the first time in franchise history with a 5-0 shutout against the D-backs to win the series in five games. We'll get into all those things here in a little bit, but I think we need to check in with my first co-host, the man, the myth, the legend, the lawyer, the coach, the the inspiration behind all this. CM, how are you, buddy? Dude, I'm doing good. It's nice to have some time to be back on, um, especially with what happened yesterday, so... I am fired up and ready to roll. 100%, 100%. Let's check in with K-May. K-May, how are we doing? Fantastic. Ready for another night. Back at it two nights in a row. So, uh, you know, no days off, as they say. Guy's not even getting OT hours right now. It's unbelievable. Vinny, third show. A lot of good comments, just like I said last night. But how are you, pal? Dude, I'm ready to dive in. You know, we had a great World Series, and I'm looking forward to the offseason and just ready to talk some baseball. We got a crew right now, man. This is outstanding. This is so good. This is so good. You talk about a crew. You talk about the Rangers. You talk about one guy, part of that crew, who was uh, truly remarkable in the next, and what they referred to as the Barry Bonds of the playoffs. Corey Seager was your World Series MVP, his second of his career. Unreal stats right here. Six for 21 with three homers, one double, three walks, six RBIs, and six runs scored. That is his second of his career with the World Series MVP. His He's the fourth player to win multiple World Series MVP awards, joining Hall of Famers Sandy Koufax, Bob Gibson, and Reggie Jackson. I guess that 10-year, $325 million contract is now worth it, boys. Let's start off with uh, CM. I think we lead it off with you, pal. I, I know that your schedule's been absolutely insane and everything, but... How many games were you able to catch? Like, what was your kind of your glimpse of the World Series along with uh, Seager as well? Dude, yeah, I watched bits of every game. Um, And, I mean, Seager, it was pretty easy to tell, I think, after game one that he was probably going to win the MVP award. That late late inning surge that he's kind of started rolling for them to get that win. And then, obviously – last night coming up big for them again when they needed needed it the most and really stepping up in place of Garcia. So I I, I think it was well-deserved MVP award for sure and, and good for him to get to after his last couple of years have been kind of up and down a little bit. So to come back as well as he did this year and then cap it off with that is awesome for him. Really remarkable. Now let's get into – the just the path of the Rangers and everything. Um, they defeated the Tampa Bay Rays in the wild card round, the Baltimore Orioles in the division series, the Houston Astros in the ALCS, and of course the D backs. An unbelievable record of 11 and 0 on the road during the playoffs. KMA, throughout your entire life of watching baseball, have you seen something more impressive than this? Uh, yes, I have. The answer is the 2005 Chicago White Sox. Uh, you won't see another complete game record that they had in the postseason. I think it was like five or six complete complete games in a row that they had. So that was fantastic. But anyways, we'll stay on topic. Um, the Rangers were really impressive. There's no there's no no way around that. Eleven and zero on the on the on the road is really really hard to do. Let alone the regular season, not even in the postseason. So 
absolutely impressive, well-deserved, and, um, you know, I'm happy for the Rangers. I'm a Bruce Bochy guy. I've always been a Bruce Bochy fan, so I was happy to see him do it, and uh, they were impressive throughout the process. Yeah, Bochy was coaching for France, I believe, before he mm-hmm. decided to come back to the Rangers. That was a pretty crazy story in itself. Um, speaking of Bochy, managers with four-plus World Series trophies, Joe McCarthy with seven, Casey Stengel with seven, Connie Mack with five, Walter Alston with four, Joe Torrey with four, and now you add Boach to the list. He's an, he's an all-timer, man. I mean, Vinny, I, we, through the years of, you know, of, you know us you know breaking that uh, path in 2016, which was the last time the Cubs won the World Series, um, you know, it's, it's a lot. It's, it's pretty soon. I mean, that was pretty recent, but um, he does this in the matter of coming into the fold of analytics and dealing with this whole new dynamic of baseball that he wasn't dealing with truly impressive for him to really run, run with this. And also what I've heard at least is that he was willing to apply these analytical standards to his coaching. So Vinny would love to hear your thoughts there. Yeah. I mean, you got to give credit where credit's due and he deserves all the credit in the world. I mean, you know, that team is terrific, but they're only as good as the person who's leading them on a day-to-day basis. And, you know, you could say that's Corey Seager on the team, but that's Bochi in the clubhouse. And to be able to merge the analytics and the old style baseball is not something that you see a lot of managers being able to do. And, um, you know, we've seen it fail quite a few times with, uh, if you want to bring in the White Sox again with Tony Larusa, you know, the man. Um, so, uh, you know, it, it, it speaks a lot of um, speaks a lot of credit to I don't think I said that right, but give a lot of credit to Bochi for for doing what he, he does and, and mixing those two, because it's not easy. I mean, they're, they're polar opposites in terms of baseball. So kudos to him. After the La Russa dig, you could have said anything. It would have worked at this point. Uh, <laughs> I, I kind of lost my train of thought because I was just like, I just want to roast the White Sox a little bit more. <laughs> Did you know, by the way, too, tonight is the anniversary of the seven years ago Cubs winning the World Series? Tonight. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. We, we could. I was thinking like maybe next episode we can all celebrate that. Yeah. Yeah. That would be outstanding. Yeah. I think we're going to be sick that night, guys. <laughs> Let's talk about game five, boys. First off, hats off to Zach Gallon and, and Evaldi. Gallon carried a no-hitter to the top of the seventh, where, of course, Corey Seager ends it on a single, and then Evaldi had multiple situations with runners in scoring position by the D-backs where he was able to get out of those jams. It felt like every single inning he was able to get out of those jams. And the D-backs, you know, their offense, in in my opinion, it, it, it's, it ran out of its luster, right? We saw Carroll get a little hot that game. But Mourinho and some of these guys just couldn't get the big hit, um, and they couldn't back up Gallon's unbelievable performance. Of course, next thing you know, the Rangers go up 1-0, and then a botched ground ball by Alec Thomas in the ninth leads to 3 nothing, and then the dagger, of course, was Marcus Simeon's two-run bomb to make it 5 nothing. And crazy stat about Marcus Simeon started all games this year, which is just absolutely remarkable. I think he led off in every single game as well. CM... Uh, were you able to catch I, – I couldn't remember if you said that you caught all of, of the game, but uh, pitching guy yourself, uh, your thoughts on the Evaldi and Gallon duel? I mean, it couldn't have been much better than it was. Obviously, Gallon working super deep there uh, with that no-hitter going for a while and Lavello, you know, letting him go. I was listening 
on the radio a little bit last night while that was going on. Um, and they were talking about the uh, Snell deal a couple of years ago with the Rays when he got pulled, um, you know, and they ended up losing. Obviously, same deal happened last night, but letting him go until he actually gave up that hit, I thought was great. And, you know, for him to be able to still throw as well as he did so late, I think they said last night he's thrown like 60 some innings, maybe more than this year than he has ever before because of their extended run a little bit. So it was, it was really awesome to see them, them to kind of duel it out. Um, especially Uvalde. I mean, come up huge in a playoff series again. So. Yeah. And I personally wanted to see Jamont versus Merrill Kelly. I really wanted to see game six. I would love just a, uh, at least uh, a Friday night duel there, but unfortunately we didn't get it. Vinny, your thoughts on the duel, obviously being a pitching guy yourself, it felt like Gallon was the best he had been the entire playoffs. It wasn't even close. And then Avaldi really just showed his playoff experience, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, you know, it looked like they were both kind of drinking Michael's Mike's special stuff, right? From yeah. you know, Space Jam, right? There you go. Um, wow. Evaldi, they they mentioned in the broadcast too in the clinching games. I wrote down these stats. He's he's three and zero with twenty four strikeouts to no walks before before this last game that he threw. Um, twenty four strikeouts to no walks is just unbelievable. Um, and then of course I don't know he he led off the game with a four pitch walk. So the thing that I just I, I find amazing is it did feel for a while that that. The Diamondbacks, you know, you know, the analogy in basketball when there's a lid on the bucket, right? A team is just shooting and everything is rimming out or or bouncing around the rim and doesn't quite go in. And so that's how it felt with the D-backs. So you really got to give credit to Evaldi for for just going out and continuing to compete and um, Gallon to keep his team in it because he he looked incredible. Right. I mean, the first six innings, he was untouchable. And so um, maybe he ran out of gas in that that seventh inning. But. Um, I also want to give credit to Kevin Ginkle for coming in and, and shutting things down when he did. So um, just all out great pitching performance, um, barring sense uh, Seawald. But other than that, it was just, it was fun, fun duel. Yeah. And KMA, I mean, talking about Seawald, I mean, if I, I'm just thinking back to Seager's two one bomb in the ninth in game one, like he was untouchable. And this guy has been absolutely incredible throughout the playoffs. They talked about how, He's 92 to 93, but he's got the, one of the highest RPMs on his fastball. And so the spin rate is what's getting him by some of these hitters and it's getting on him quick. Um, but I, I, him and Ginkle, I would take on my squad any day of the week. Absolutely. It's kind of crazy, too, that that bullpen kind of came together like in August. It wasn't even kind of uh, in the beginning of the year. They weren't even, that wasn't even part of the bullpen. They kind of threw that together and it, it worked for them and they just ran with it. Um, but I mean, yeah, overall, you know, can't say enough about the D-backs, too. Just getting to that point in general. Um, a fantastic season. Um, fantastic run in the playoffs to get past both the Dodgers and Philly. And uh, unfortunately, just came up short in the World Series there. Absolutely, man. And, and I had that down here just giving praise to them because it was the third – they had the third least wins in history to make the World Series. Uh, incredibly bright future for them. Um, we'll talk a little bit later about some Guriel news that's kind of crazy that kind of came out of nowhere. But you think about with Mourinho, Carroll, 
Um, Alec Thomas, even though he had that play in the end, we all texted each other saying that wasn't his fault, really, that the game got away. It was more on Seawald. But, um, you know, you talk about some of those other guys as well. I hope Gallon is a part of them for the foreseeable future. I hope they extend him as fast as they can. I know they extended Carroll um, and Walker, of course, over at first base has been an unbelievable pickup. In your opinion, uh, KMA, if you're looking at position-wise – what do you think is their biggest upgrade needed for next year? I think in general, just adding some more pop, right? Um, I mean, we know they have the on-base guys. They have the speed. I'm um, just adding a little more pop in that lineup. You know, I'm not going to say a specific position of need. Um, just a little more pop in that lineup, you know? Um, they obviously have Walker at first base who can hit some bombs. Um, Gurriel, if he stays, has some pop too. We saw Corbin Carroll have some pop in the NLCS as well. There seems a little more power in the middle of that lineup, I think. Like I said, they can get on base, they can steal some bags. Uh, but I think in today's game, you need a little more power, um, especially, you know, when you go up against powerhouse teams like the Rangers or they're able to get past the Phillies, but teams like the Phillies who have a lot of power um, in the middle of that lineup. Um, and then just continue to build some arms too. Anything they need another arm or two, maybe in that rotation, so they can kind of stay away from that bullpen game situation that they had to have um, the other night there in the World Series. Um, so those would be the two biggest needs. One more arm and then a little power in the middle of that lineup, I'd say. Yeah, we saw it. I mean, the bullpens, the, the when when you had a solidified bullpen throughout these playoffs, you were in a good position, and, and we saw other teams really struggle with that. Um, CM, in, in your mind, I if I'm looking at their squad right now, if I'm looking at a potential free agent option for them, I'm kind of looking at Matt Chapman. What are your thoughts there? That would be a good get for sure. Uh, I mean, I don't know, you know, I don't know what they're looking at spending wise, but cause he'll probably command a pretty big contract after the year that he put together. But I think Chapman in the middle of that lineup would, would be really solid fit for sure um, to kind of stick around you know, that area. And if they, if they're able to, you know, give him like a three year deal worth the money to come down there, I think it could be a good plug and play right away. Um, especially, you know, with having such a young lineup, keeping some type of veteran presence in there will be a big, a big get for them for sure. Yeah, I saw online, I think I saw six years, 120 for him or 140. And I was like, damn, that is. That's some high praise for that guy. Now, now, don't get me wrong. He's a defensive gem, but offensively, he started off really hot this past year. Uh, all us fan- fantasy baseball guys definitely saw that, but definitely dimpered off. Vinny, what are your thoughts there, man? Like, what are they – if you're not looking at third base, what other positions are you looking at potentially as an upgrade? Yeah, I mean, I I honestly think – so third base, I see Geraldo Her- Her- Perdomo sliding over to third base. Okay. Um, and – Jordan Lawler is is going to be up. I mean, they can't keep him down any longer. He's going to play shortstop, in my opinion. I think they'll keep Marte at second base. I mean, I, I honestly think they already have the skeleton of a 90-win team. Left field, you know, we talked about Guriel. He's going to walk. Um, I think that's where, you know, Kyle, you said they maybe need some power. That's where they're going to add it. And there are plenty of options and free agency for them to add. I was, I was doing some digging. It looks like Teoscar Hernandez is going to be out there. Um, if you really want pop though, you also have Jorge Soler is, is out there as well. So, um, and if there was one other one too, that I thought was, was a potentially really good fit, but um, there are some outfielders that, that can really fill in that, you know, left field and middle of the order lineup. And then they, they have to get a pitcher, right? You have Aaron Nola, Blake Snell, 
if you really want to compete, you, you're going to have to get one of those guys because we just saw you get exposed in the playoffs for not having that, that extra starter. So those are the two things. I mean, you add a Jorge Soler and, and an Aaron Nola, they're going to be right back there next year. Yeah, I think about two. I think about the Dodgers. You know, the Padres now, we're hearing all this stuff come out, of course, about having to take $50 million out of the bank for a loan for their, you know, to, to pay their players. Um, you know, all those, that whole scenario there is is sort of insane in itself. And, of course, the Juan Soto rumors. Then you look at the Dodgers, which we can all kind of say that I, I'd be shocked if Shohei Otani is not a Dodger, but we'll we'll make that a different episode. But you know the Dodgers are going to put themselves in a position that's going to allow them to be successful, the amount of injuries and everything they had. So the D-backs, while it has been an unbelievable run, they had the perfect setup at the right time. It was a perfect situation. They went on this sensational run, and really the country fell in love with them. Um, and, you know, I, I'm really excited to see where they go here in the future. Um, but I think something for the future to discuss are what is going on with the umpires. I know that this has been a topic of discussion now for the last five to 10 years as to robo umps and where they're going. And the reason why I bring this up fellas is because it was pretty evident that these guys, we, we were not having the best, of the best behind the dish. Um, Vinny, I know that you had, little bit of information as to how bad they actually were um, or maybe they maybe they did actually do a good job but it felt like during the course of the World Series specifically it was sort of really disappointing to see that there were some major calls made that I felt like were wrong yeah um, and I after this too I'd love to hear your thoughts on the challenge system because you know for the the people who listen out there who maybe don't know, I actually haven't seen it in action. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on it after this. But um, the thing that I found most um, just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me is the, the quality of umpires that were in these games. I don't know if you guys have seen these stats, but um, they came out with the world series umpires um, before the series started. So they had all seven games lined up game one. So, so there are 92 umpires in the association, right? Game one, they had the 75th ranked umpire going. Game three, they had the 77th ranked umpire. Game four, they had the 68th ranked umpire. Game five, they had the 33rd, sorry. Game six, the 60th. Like, there was only two games. Game two, they had Quinn Walcott, who was the best umpire in the league. Um, He was number one. But why do you have, in all of these games, why do you have the bottom half of your umpiring crew behind the game it it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me and then of course when they do make mistakes now it just seems you know magnified because it's like these aren't your best products why are they why are they doing this and so um i will say so game one there were 13 missed calls um does doesn't seem like any of them are horrible we, we did talk about that um let's see game two um 10 against the rangers out of 12 total missed calls um, at 91% correct call rate. The league average is 92 and a half. Um, Angel Hernandez sits at about 88, 89%. Um, game three, uh, do, 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 I have it right here. 89%, fifth worst game of the playoffs in game three, 13 missed calls. Um, like These are just things that I, I don't think that you can have if you are going to continue without either um, robo umps or the challenge system. It just, 
these stats are out there. People are going to be frustrated. Um, game three was worse than Angel Hernandez's average. So you it just it's it's mind boggling. So Tyler, I'm curious to hear your thoughts, knowing these stats a little bit more, and I can send you you know the specifics about them, and maybe we can post them on the on the podcast Twitter for for time's sake. But um, what are your thoughts on moving forward? You know, do you think that this is something that you know needs to change and how quickly do you think that can happen? I I really want to hear someone's thoughts first cuz CM sure, sure. has always been uh very very good at 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 kind of giving his thoughts on on these sort of topics around baseball. So CM baseball now is dealing with uh you know obviously it is it is a screaming issue and it's amplified by the fact that they've created now this uh, challenge system and robot umpire system throughout other different leagues throughout their farm systems and, and other leagues. What are your thoughts, man? Do you think this is something that should be implemented um, moving forward? Or do you think it's more of something we may not see for a very long time? No, I don't think that we should have it at all. I think it's stupid. Um, I think with, when it comes to baseball, part of it is having that human element in there of, you are going to get some missed calls here and there. Um, and this is going to happen. And, you know, you'll get a couple of balls off the plate that are called for strikes. You'll get a couple pitches in the zone that are called for balls. And it just is how the game works and how it's played. And it's not the one call here or the one call there, whatever is not going to affect the outcome of an entire game. There are so many little intricacies of one you know, a nine inning baseball game um, and getting 27 outs that having one blown call should not be that drastic of a, a, a thing that you need to really worry about. Um, you know, an umpire misses a couple calls and it screws everything up. It screws up and it bad. It does this, it does that. I think that ha- part of that, those errors make the game what it is and keep it fun. And I'm, You know, people who listen to this have probably they know that I'm very traditionalist when it comes to baseball. And that's where I sit on it. I think it would be absolutely ridiculous um, to put that in. You know, if you want to do like a challenge system, bring it in. But you get, you know, one challenge striker ball call per game, per team. And that's it. Not like the replay system now where if you get it right, you get it back and if you get it wrong you lose it you just get one period and that's it but even then i think it's a little bit i mean i don't really see the point on why why you would need to use it anyway so that's that's where i'm at on that one okay may let's hear it yeah so first off let me just say i kind of agree with cm on this one i'm kind of a more of a traditionalist myself when it comes to baseball um, so I would like to see it say the same. I think there's a human element involved, like Christian was saying. That's kind of part of the game. Uh, missed calls are part of the game. So you just got to kind of learn how to get past that as a team and kind of face that adversity as a team. I will say I think it's in a, a, inevitable that we get robot umps. Um, they are experimenting with it in the minors. I think it was in double A this year they were using it. My question is kind of the logistics behind it, right? Kind of like the curiosity we had in the beginning of this season with the rule changes that were happening this year. Um, you know, back in March, we were doing pods and talking about how are they going to work, how it was going to affect the game. 
I'm curious about how that would work as well. Like I haven't sat down and watched a minor league game with a, a automated strike zone. So I don't know how that would work logistically. Like does it beep when the ball comes into the strike zone? Like I, I don't know logistically how that would work. Um, like I said, I do think it's inevitable. I do think it's coming. I think Rob Manfred is kind of sending a message by testing at the minors that, hey, this is coming, get used to it, and we're going to kind of implement it in the next few years. Um, but, you know, I've been wrong plenty of times before, so who knows? Yeah, I know CM's favorite rule was the bigger bases. Um, I knew that would make an cr- incredible impact on the game. Um, to get my thoughts you know, if I'm, I want to take it from two angles, right? You take it from the traditionalist angle uh, that I, I also have where you don't want to ruin the game. You don't want to ruin the history of the game. You don't want to add so much to where it's becoming more like a video game. But if I look at from the business side of things, how electric would it be if a team has one opportunity throughout the game to challenge a call? Because if you talk about the fact that throughout the game, obviously all these things don't impact uh, any of these bad calls throughout the game. In the grand scheme of things, there's so many other opportunities for teams to take advantage. And, you know, there's a reason why they only have three strikes, right? They're trying to throw it in the zone. So don't, you know, don't miss. Um, I just think, though, if baseball, you know, continues to be on this path of speeding up the game and more, make it more, um, you know, in, in the essence of today, making it more relatable to what people are in reference to wanting things quick, wanting things done right now. So something like that, amplifying the game in a way, making it a big decision throughout the game would be, in, in my opinion, kind of cool. But unfortunately, I don't see how if they're going to implement this, it's going to be on. I think it's going to be one of those things where it's multiple challenges and I can see that happening. So um, that leaves you to Vinny. Vinny, I mean. You are a traditionalist, as all th- as all four of us are. We all love the game. That's why we podcast about it. That's why we love to talk about it. That's why we do fantasy baseball, all these different things. But from your standpoint, where do you see this going? And, and give your thoughts on it as well. I see it. You know, I remember years and years ago when MLB said, or, you know, they're like, the DH is going to stay in the American League. And you know, over time, they're like, eh, maybe we're going to change that. And so it's hard for me. I agree with Kyle. It's it's hard for me to see a world where they don't slowly but surely change it. Um, you know, I, I hate to say it, but I do think that that's where we're headed. Although I do love the aspect of, and I think Christian would agree with this, right? If you're an umpire and you watch a pitcher dot the outside corner and then maybe miss six inches off, you're maybe more likely to give him that pitch versus if the catcher's setting up away and then the pitcher misses inside, but he still nips the strike zone, right? He misses his spot, but he still throws it in the strike zone. I don't want to see pitchers missing their spot. I would rather see them rewarded if they're going to hit their spot. So that is the one human element that I do appreciate and enjoy is like, okay, if a pitcher is just going to continue to paint the outside corner, maybe he's going to miss a few here and there, but I'd rather see the hitter make the adjustment and say, okay, now I need to go the other way with that outside pitch. It's it it makes another level to the game or another layer that I think is just more fun than than robot umps. You know, like I don't want to I don't want the game to turn into robots. I, you know, I like the human element of it, and I think that's a big part of it. And um, you know, it keeps 
pitchers honest, he keeps hitters honest. And who doesn't love to see a freak out on the umpire every once in a while, right? Absolutely. Manager coming out and Schwarber had a really big one. But yeah, that's my that's my two cents. Lex will always run, man, especially these days. They they truly yep. they truly, truly will. Well, fellas, it's been an unbelievable year. I know we've had uh, you know, difficulty at times doing episodes. You know, we all have real life jobs and everything, but exciting to see what this crew does here for the off season, adding Vinny and hopefully uh, some interviews and everything moving forward and the ability to have multiple guys on here will be awesome. Um, so that starts with the hot stove. Uh, it's already begun today. Max Muncy signs a two year extension with the Dodgers at 24 million. Uh, I don't ever think I will ever see this guy in a uh, non Dodger uniform. He uh, just seems to, it seems like if he goes anywhere else, he's not successful. It's just, that's just the weird part about Max Muncy. But what's really interesting that came out here today was Lourdes Gurriel. So his current contract, while he was – so back up just a little bit. So he was traded, of course, in the deal this past offseason before the 2023 season from uh, the Toronto Blue Jays in a deal that sent Dalton Varshow from the D-backs to Toronto and then sent over Lourdes Gurriel Jr. along with Gabriel Moreno. Now looking like the D-backs won that trade, but we'll talk about that. Uh, we can talk about that later. But right with his current contract, it prohibits the D-backs from issuing him a qualifying offer. What I looked up is is that it looks like deals that are done for guys from you know foreign leagues uh, often have stipulations in their contract that allows them to sort of change the rules around uh, that typically don't that typically apply to other players that won't apply to these guys. So Lourdes Gurriel Jr. is now a free agent rather than the D-backs being able to issue him a qualifying offer. So we talk about the D-backs and where they're going. This is a really interesting scenario. Have you guys ever heard of anything like this with any other players? No. I mean, it's yeah. it's very, very strange. I, I, I've never seen anything like this, but he's a guy that is uh, 30 years old, obviously showed out here uh, promote majority of the playoffs and a majority of the season hits had made some unbelievable defensive plays. I remember them very well against the Cubs, but uh, a guy to watch out for here during the off season. Um, but it's going to be uh, uh, an off season. One of the most important off seasons probably in MLB history with Shohei Otani and where these, where, uh, where he goes and where the landscape of baseball changes. There is, much to be done here uh, with many other guys, and we'll definitely have episodes talking about uh, each of the guys, and hopefully we're able to catch uh, an episode on them, on, on each of those players uh, before they are acquired by a team. Uh, but I think with a couple minutes left here in the episode, CM, what's your – Let's. I think I think this is always my favorite thing. Let's, let's have our boldest picks of the offseason. Off let's say our, our most ridiculous takes, but more of what's the biggest thing and biggest prediction you think here this off season that will happen. Let's start this uh, off season campaign on a, on a, uh, on a bomb here. Let's go see him. Yeah. Well, I was just scrolling through the transactions from today um, and saw Whit Merrifield and the blue Jays did not, did not come to an agreement on his, option so he's going to be a free agent was he a play he so he was a club option right so he, he was um it was a mutual option mutual okay okay so and they they both decided to go their separate ways which doesn't really impact um my thing at all but 
my uh, big, bad, bold prediction, um, other than Shohei to the Rockies, <laughs> I am going to um, – I'm pulling up the list of free agents this year. I think that Tim Anderson is going to become a free agent and not go back to the White Sox. And I think that he's going to go to Miami. Oh, <laughs> I like it. See, I like it because it's not like it's not the top guy on the market, but that is uh, that is really interesting. I like that a lot. Yeah. Okay, what about you, buddy? So my prediction isn't quite a specific player, just kind of in general. Um, I think the trade market is going to be insane this winter. Um, I say that because just looking at the free agent list, the potential free agents, outside of the top two guys, Shohei, and then the couple guys coming over from Japan who's supposed to be really, really, really good, um, who I know nothing about, who have never, never oh, seen. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, the poor guy. Oh, no. We're so close. I know. We were so close. If uh, Vinny... Roll with yours, but you're going to get a mixture of Kyle with it. I know so he's going to start be, talking in the this middle. This could be yeah. really, really good. So, Vinny, what um, about you, brother? Well, I'm kind of upset that he said he doesn't know anything about these these Japanese players because there's one, Yoshinobu Yamamoto. Learn the name if you, you don't know the name. You see a lot okay. of those big-name players. <laughs> yeah, I guess you're not going <laughs> to learn his name. Yoshinobu Yamamoto. Hey, man, we lost figures. you there for a little bit. We lost you there for a little bit, pal. Oh. I noticed. That's okay. We'll let Vinny go. We'll let Vinny. Go ahead, Vinny. Sorry, let me finish, Kyle, and then yeah, and then you can get to your pick, right? You gotta learn this. You gotta learn this Japanese guy, Kyle. Yeah, Yoshinobu Yamamoto. He's 25 years old. He has won the Japanese version of the Cy Young for the last two years. Um, I think his his total ERA in whatever three years or four years that he's been pitching is one eight six. Like, dude is just filthy. Um, my bold prediction is that the Dodgers, since they have not really spent in the last couple of off seasons, not only do they sign Shohei, but they sign Yamamoto as well. And they are a force to be reckoned with because that guy is going to light it up. Shohei is going to light it up. They are bringing Team Japan to LA. That is my bold prediction. I like it. I think uh, my last bold prediction is I think because of the way that the Mets are going, if Yamamoto is not a New York Met, Pete Alonzo is on the market and traded this offseason. To the Chicago Cubs. To the Chicago Cubs. What do you think, K-May? All right, so I don't know how much you guys caught my take before my Wi-Fi gave a big middle finger. <laughs> not, um, not much. But... but <laughs> So my bold prediction is kind of an overall thing, just looking at the league in general. Um, I think the trade market this winter is going to be bonkers. Um, if you look at the free agent list, a lot of the free agents, like outside of the top guys, obviously Shohei and then the two guys from Japan we were talking about. Outside of those guys, a lot of guys in their 30s, right? So not a lot of guys like in the in the prime of their careers like we've had the past two off seasons. There's not really those big names at the top, again, besides Shohei and the, and the Japanese players coming over. Um, so I think the trade market is going to be really hot. There's going to be teams looking to make big impacts. And I think teams are going to be more willing to do that with the trade market, just given the free agent market this winter. So that's my prediction. A lot of Love trades. It. Hopefully the, Love it. hopefully the, hopefully the winter meetings are bonkers, but, uh, we'll see guys. Things are about to heat up. This is, uh, 
one of my favorite times of the year um, because we get to see really how crazy these teams are and, and where they're willing to go. And these owners and these GMs, their egos really uh, coming to light here. We're going to see a lot of this, but um, boys, this has been an absolute pleasure run up here on the last minute. Um, I know that uh, like we said, like I said earlier, you know, during the off season uh, having uh, four guys now is just going to be awesome from the standpoint of, you know, guys not having to feel like they have to be on every show. And, um, you know, a lot, I mean, just so much knowledge here in the podcast. I'm giving a, lo- a lot of love to you guys. Cause I think this is going to be a really cool thing moving forward. Benny joining the, ch- jo- joining the show is going to be awesome. And having the veteran leadership of CM and KMA is going to be extra special as well. So, um, to everybody, thank you so much for tuning in. This has been another edition of the big fly pod. We'll see you here again soon.